Hi, Ellie. Hi, Josh. So we're going to riff this, apparently. Welcome to the Professional Humans Podcast. Welcome. Thanks for listening. (laughs) This isn't the end. It's the beginning. Oh, um, okay. Well, before we get into the episode, what we would like to do is ask if you would go... Not you, Josh, but our listeners. We would like to ask our listeners to jump onto iTunes and write some reviews. Write some reviews, please. And vote, uh, not vote. um, Every five-star rating with review that we get increases our chances of helping someone else. So if you value the show and what we do and think other people could benefit from it, your best way to be a part of that is to rate us on whatever app you're using and review us and get the word out. Yep. And we started a LinkedIn group today as an experiment to see whether or not anybody pays attention to LinkedIn. You're not projecting anymore. So you can jump on into that LinkedIn group if you want to. You can jump into that LinkedIn group. Just get in there. Jump into Facebook. Make that uh, every six weeks time that you check your LinkedIn today. Make it today. And get in the group. (laughs) And um, thank you for everyone who's already supported us that way. It's awesome. Um, And keep up the feedback and and keep up sharing and, and liking stuff. We really appreciate it. We do. Let's go to the episode. Let's do that. Three, two, one. Go. Go. Well, let's go right to the important question right out of the gate. Mike Mason, which is, did you see the new Star Wars this weekend? I have seen the new Star okay. Wars this weekend. How many times? Twice. Twice. Nice. I went Art. by myself on Friday as a pre-screen, mm-hmm. knowing that I wanted to take at least two out of my three children. Got it. And determined that definitely wasn't going to be something my youngest was going to be able oh, to yeah? tolerate. Five. Five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although I did see younger kids than five in the mm-hmm. theaters both right. times. But my five-year-old would have been freaking out and oh, really? needed to leave. Um, so saw it twice, enjoyed it. Probably will see it again with my wife because she hasn't seen it yet. And um, yeah, enjoyed it. Thought yeah. it was, I like to describe it as really good, not blow me out of my brain great, mm-hmm. but looking forward to more. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I expect from other J.J. Abrams style things and was very happy with a lot of what was presented an appropriate amount of nostalgia and strong story to start off the new trilogy moving forward mm-hmm. so i got happy. kind of blindsided um by a particular event uh that sure. i won't go no, into s- no spoilers but no, it was blind, blindsided i got blindsided it's probably my own fault that's okay it was fine i survived it uh, okay, so what we really wanted to talk to you about uh, today is managing humans, not projects. Because mm-hmm. you and I had had coffee and got into this. I think we did the... Um, <clears throat> in my mind, there's a spectrum of project management. Yes. And uh, uh, I think you identify yourself when you meet another project manager and figure out if you're close to each other on the spectrum. And I think we yeah. did that a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and I think... 
in, in my head, the spectrum is um, on one end, I dream in Gantt charts and check boxes. Sure. And the other end is, I will break every rule that you give me. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I think there is a lot of, um, for lack of a better term, type A personalities mm -hmm. in project management that mm -hmm. need to have absolute and total control on all aspects of a project mm -hmm. and spend a lot of time on project plans mm -hmm. and updating, adjusting, manipulating project plans and using that as a security blanket um, for protecting themselves, protecting a client, protecting the project, and kind of keeping everybody on the same page, which is totally valid. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like that. I, I think I described it to you as the joker theory of project management, which is schemers like to scheme. <laughs> I don't remember this. I don't know um, if we got into the joker schemers theory. Schemers got a scheme. Um, <clears throat> basically, anytime you deal with human beings, planning and everything else is great as a starting point, but eventually things happen. Right. And if you have a good deal of flexibility and a strong head on your shoulders, you can roll with those punches and keep moving forward without right. breaking pace. Losing your shit. And so, right, without losing your shit. So trying to, and this is how I've ended up working with more and more difficult clients over the years, more and more larger scale projects, more and more nebulous projects that it's a general idea and we got a lot of smart people so hopefully it'll work right i've always thought of of project management more like producing okay. from a film standpoint mm -hmm. and having a really good friend of mine who's done some films over the past few years um project management is about making sure from a film perspective that the script is up to date and we have somebody that's validating what people are saying on the screen is mm -hmm. what's in the script. The talent's on point with what's in the script and doing those things. The director understands where the direction of the scene needs to be going and all the other people that surround it from set design to costumes to um, making sure there's no unknown Easter eggs or other things in the, you know, all those pieces are put together mm -hmm. and then make sure all those things flow through the entire course of the film schedule that you have and keeps everybody on point because all those people and a lot of those processes are talent whether mm -hmm. they're behind the scenes talent on screen talent what have you and so making sure they're all doing the things they need to be doing right because you can often get to a point where you get bogged down in repetition or trying to find a specific piece of a puzzle within a project or in a film to mm -hmm. make it absolutely what it needs to be and sometimes somebody needs to come in and just say from the outside in some sense that's either good enough or no that's not good enough and you have to keep going on that because within all within all of that framework that you put together you have to leave room for some magic to happen oh absolutely and i yeah. think um the the part where the magic happens can be very scary if you're the checkbox gantt chart type of Sure. Project manager, because mm -hmm. sure. you're like, well, I wasn't planning for that. I don't yeah. have that on my <laughs> list. Yeah. I don't know about this magic piece. Yeah. Um, and I think you can, it, it, I feel like it makes people, and in this way, I think it is a lot like film. It makes people not do better than they think they can do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, right, because they are looking for <laughs> the minimum standard to meet the expectation. To check the box. Versus 
excelling in the particular deliverable that they've been asked to be a part of. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it is a different kind of expectation. It's a different kind of way of approaching things. And I think a lot of it has to do a lot more on things outside of what you get from a PMP certification or anything like that, that are about how you structure, how you organize, how you plan a project, Mm -hmm. and more about how do you communicate, how do you do the change management, how do you interact with all the different players Mm -hmm. on a one-to-one or a personal or a meeting-style level. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because I've been an actor and an improv guy and all these other weirdo things in the background of my career from a teacher to tech support to real estate. I mean, multitude of background of things, Mm -hmm. but those skill sets kind of lend towards lots of different pieces of how you work with people and how do you get people to be inspired to do what you want them to do, lay out a vision for them and figure out how they can plug themselves into that and do really great things. Yep. That's exactly, that's exactly it. And that gets hard when I don't know. I've been through a few different organizations and it gets hard where all of a sudden there's metrics or Mm. there's profitability indexes (laughs) and all these other things that have importance. They do. But I think the human element gets lost in those a lot Mm. as people start looking at um, how you look at people like how you look at checkboxes. And it's just not... It's not going to work. It's not going to work in the long term. You have to find a balance. I mean, they're both important, but you have to find a balance. I've had um, a lot of people get frustrated or anxious uh, with me uh, when it comes to metrics or profitability. Because I'm like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, tracking it every day. Mm -hmm. You'll see when we get to the end that it will have worked out on the no. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that can be very frustrating to um, How many ask for digital that widgets are being made per hour? It's, there's, there's so <laughs> many different ones that are done. I mean, everything from how we have a big, um, and I don't know, with lots of different organizations, I think there is this, but how do you track how busy you are as a group or as a team or what have you? And there's a degree of just asking people like, how busy do you feel? Do you think you can take something else on? Do you have Do you have time, time to go to the bathroom or mm-hmm. not? Right. <laughs> and then there's also um, trying to forecast that and looking at, well, how many things is this person assigned to moving forward? What is our kind of level of comfort of assigning some new projects or taking on new work and understanding how many people we have to like either bring in or do we have enough work to keep all these people busy? Totally get all those things but trying to do that within a lot of different project types or different project clients that we deal with gets really complicated. You can't use just math. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's really You can't hard. just say, well, these projects add up to 40 hours for you, so you're good. Well, Because it's how much do you... This project is super easy, and this project right. takes... It is mentally exhausting. Right. And this client needs a more. phone call every day yeah. to let them know no, it's fine. This, shh, it's, it's gonna be okay. Don't, shh, it's fine. Don't, don't, no, this, no, bring it in. It's okay. Uh, and then there's other clients who are just like, is it done yet? Okay, call me when it's done. Yeah. And that's all they care about. Yeah. So, depending on who's assigned to what, like, I have a couple people that I work with who are like P 
PhD level, like folks that I'm working with in my industry who get assigned to a lot of these hand-holding, needing a lot of attention folks. And then I feel like they get abused in some ways because they're the ones who get the phone calls all the time. Right. So how do we balance that against some of the easier clients who've worked with us for a long time, understand the scope of work we do, what we do versus one of the other partners we work with and all those types of things sure. that we work with. So that gets that style of things is I think always a just really tricky nebulous zone to negotiate. Mm-hmm. And um, asking people how do you feel what's going on I think is part of it but also being very attentive to people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and paying attention because as I mean work world is where we spend a lot of our waking hours mm-hmm. and so you get to know people very well in a lot of cases especially in a lot of our new working environments where you're very close to one another like physically right <laughs> so you start to see when somebody you can tell is starting to like feel the weight of all the work on their shoulder. I mean, you just start to sense it and being able to respond to that. I think that's how I started to move up into more of a management role as I noticed that around this time last year with my organization and saw a lot of the like ways in which we had a really positive and engaging and um, rewarding work environment starting to slide because of that. Mm. We're starting to have turnover. We're starting to have people not excited to come into work and more people using the flexibility we have of working from home mm-hmm. on a much more regular basis. Mm-hmm. So people don't want to come into work, I start to get a little scared. And so that's where my advocacy started to be like, all right, I don't see anybody in management holding meetings on this, so <laughs> I'm going to hold a meeting on this. And talk about this. See how everybody's feeling and what types of things do they think about what's being communicated now and what other things are they looking for and mm-hmm. that kind so of that stuff. led to a, awesome. more of a leadership role for you because you're <laughs> eventually <a> team lead <laughs> yeah i'm now. a team lead now yep and which is one of those funny like player coach roles is one right. way that somebody described it where i still take on projects i still do work that delivers for clients and mm-hmm. generates revenue for the organization but then i also have a team of people that i'm responsible for and I track and I mentor and yep. all that piece of it as well. Same seas. Yeah. Super fun. <clears throat> yeah, I like it. Super fun to do both. And I have done both, uh, meaning still managing projects and getting to the, uh, I think, the privilege of managing a team. Yeah. Uh, and I've had roles in the past where I was given, okay, you just manage the team full time and it's a huge mm-hmm. team and good luck. And. Um, yeah. And then you get out of the work and you can't really mentor them anymore. <laughs> you yeah. lose your skills really, really quickly. And I also feel like you Or lose, things change. Yeah. There's, there's a degree of not being close enough to what's happening. Because like, yeah. I feel like a lot of times when you go into a pure management role... You loot like a lot of times you're in meetings with other managers or other department heads or things like that. And there's good things about strategy and how new business is coming in and helping scope new work or maybe things like that. But then you also have this team you're managing and trying to keep track of everything that everybody's doing and mm-hmm. making sure, is this person getting bored? Is this person stretched way outside their comfort zone? Like all right. those different pieces um, can get really tricky. And it reminds me a lot of, of like going back to the other parts of my career, like when I was teaching that's something that was always really interesting to see of 
who is like excelling within these different parts of a lesson that I've put together or overall plan that I've put together. Like some people are getting in and taking off and already run further down the field. Some people are really struggling just to get the basics of how they can move to the next stage. Mm -hmm. Some people are like plotting right along like I envisioned the plan would go. So how do you track all those different types of people at the same time? How do you account for your outliers? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Well, there's a lot to be said uh, also for um, having your team see you producing work. Yeah. Uh, not only being successful at it, but also, like, I tend to be really transparent when I'm less successful. Yeah. Uh, like, wow, look at, let's. what can we learn here, or... Um, I think in the uh, in the roles where it's pure management, you um, your team just assumes that you had mastered all of that and don't make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I don't know what's interesting, but I think it's important for everybody to see. Yeah, and I tend to use, I don't know, and I feel like I've had many different styles of managers over my career, so I try to be, one of the ones that stuck out to me is one that helped me figure out answers for myself. Oh, yeah. So I do a lot of what I call Socratic method of management of they ask me a question like, how should I write this email to this client to deliver bad news? And I'll sit down with them and take the time to like set up time to craft an email and then just start asking them questions. Like, Mm -hmm. if you had bad news delivered to you about something like this, what kinds of things would you want to say? How would you like that information presented? What types of things do you need to move forward and feel good about this in order to understand how this is going to fit into the rest of this work and what that means moving forward? Like right. all the different pieces that um, often get lost in project management because it's all about like the hard deliverables right. and mm-hmm. more about how do you keep somebody appraised of the status of a project, about how things are going, what level of detail do they need? Do they just need you to say... Um, everything's great, it's going to be on track, here's how we're going to make up time, or do you need them to like dive into the weeds with you and say, do they have to understand here's it? how this went wrong. Here's a formal documentation that documents what went wrong, how we fixed it, how we're going to prevent it from moving forward. Mm-hmm. Depending on the organization, it can be both, it can be either. I mean, You have to yeah. understand who their manager is and <laughs> what their yeah. manager needs to know yeah. so that you can give them the right... Um, pieces of information I think I'm glad you brought up status reports because I think it's a perfect example of something where it's totally process Uh, I was thinking about this because I was thinking about a project management conference that I went to Mm -hmm. uh, and it was all process tools scopes project plans like all very tactical Mm -hmm. nothing about the people Mm -hmm. Um, and I was thinking about status reports because I used to dread them oh it's Friday and status reports are due and if I don't finish I'm gonna get in trouble and uh, I eventually figured out how great they can be and that if you use them in the right way they're much less um, about process and so much more about people because if you use them in a way where where you are understanding that human who is your client and what their needs are uh, to be successful in their job, you can provide a status report that serves them. And you can deliver it to them so that they can actually use it instead of just being like, this is 
this is my thing that I need to do because it's it's in my job description and I have to check yeah. it off. Yeah, I've seen people go really far down a rabbit hole where like a status reporter, like we have weekly or bi-weekly project meetings with most of our clients that mm-hmm. we work with on projects. And so those project meeting notes for me are like kind of like when I used to take notes in college, like here's the topics that we covered, here's the sub-bullets of what was covered within that, here's the decisions that were made or who's responsible for tasks, and then send it on their way. If you have questions or you think there's something different, let me know and we'll review it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were going into like, I mean, two pages of an email worth of a status update or a, like meeting notes, and I was just floored by it because I was like, do you expect anyone to read this, first of all? <laughs> and they're the same people that go, well, I don't know why they don't understand what the status is. I wrote yeah. it in the status report. Or when they put the TLDR at the bottom of all of that. It's like, that's dumb. <laughs> where that goes. The TLDR. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have to make a note that we have to explain what TLDR is, <laughs> just in case. Yes. Too long, didn't read. Too long, didn't read. Right. <laughs> yeah, I. it's... I don't know. I I feel like a lot of the skills, the soft skills, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. that people talk about that are important within working in business and working in relationships are doubly important when you're managing projects or managing people. But there's so many things that get in the way of that a lot of times Mm -hmm. when you have to answer to bottom line profitability. You have to answer to... um, whether or not we're generating enough revenue from a project or all these different pieces that have importance, but I feel like there are ways we can systematize a lot of that piece so we can just not think about not it think much. about it and push it off and you get a project in that makes this much money, you have costs that come out that are this much money and mm-hmm. you figure out profitability and you can manage that based on how people track their time or all these other things. But if you have a happy team, they're more efficient. Right. Always. Exactly. And um, kind of to last week's episode with AJ where you talked about having stressful time and taking the breaks to do yoga mm-hmm. so that you could reset and allow those connections and things to work through yourself in terms of what needed to happen in your week. Right. I like to go take a 15-minute walk because mm-hmm. I work downtown Minneapolis. I can get out. I can walk outside when it's nice. I can walk the skyways when it's not. Mm-hmm. And I can take 15 minutes, do a quick loop, come back, ready to go. Totally recharged. Um, I also bike to work and I bike home from work, which allows me to reset my brain from home to work mm-hmm. and from work to home so that mm-hmm. I can kind of step out the door with a smile and know like, yep, that's done for today. Yep. I'll get back to it tomorrow. Yep. And so many people, now that we are so interconnected mm-hmm. all the time, don't allow that disconnection to happen. Yeah. And that is very troublesome to me because I feel like it is making us less productive. It is making us much more stressed. It is making us less mindful. Worst mm-hmm. parents. Worst parents. <laughs> <laughs> I was all meaning to things, yeah. <clears throat> I was meaning to ask you about that a little bit because sure. we first met the Mike Mason at not at a professional event of any kind, but at very a biking professional. Event. <laughs> <laughs> a very unprofessional. We've known you for six years, I think, Probably. now. And yeah. It, we didn't talk about work until last month. Someone no. asked me one time. Is, I think awesome. no. Yeah. Someone asked me one time, who is Mike Mason? And I was like, 
in, in the context of like what you did. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have no idea, but he's super awesome. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of my friendships, I don't want, like, I don't have a lot of crossover between people I work with and my friends. Mm-hmm. In the sense of like, I hang out with a lot of people I bike with, I hang out mm-hmm. with um, my family. Um, a lot of my people that I, a lot of the folks that I work with do hang out with each other and do socialize a lot with each other. And I do socialize with them on occasion, but they are not, um, a lot of my strong friendships in a lot of senses. And I don't think there's anything good or bad Mm -hmm. about that necessarily. Um, and because of that, I don't talk about work a lot outside of that. I have a lot of friends who do all kinds of different things and all doing really awesome things for the most part that they really are proud of or they mm-hmm. can really stand behind. All these great things. But right. I like that we can talk about, you know, all the bike nerd stuff that we do or right. the, you know, great new Star Wars movie that we yeah, the, saw. The nerd nerds. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> I mean... My reflex save is pretty low, but once I level up to the next level of project manager, I'm hoping that my fort save goes up. No, I mean, it's <laughs> one of those things that just makes me laugh about work um, is that it sounds like, to use that, what I was speaking, it sounds like a Dungeons and Dragons event sometimes mm-hmm. to me where people are like listing off stats and how high they rolled a d20 that day and everything else. And I just want to be like, no. It's we're done with that now. We're, you are we're not dr- a wizard. We're drinking beer now. We don't have to talk about this. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so that kind of stuff always makes me laugh, just because from an, a, a standpoint of knowing you guys for a long time, you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm really happy that I don't have to talk about work all the time, right. and I don't see that as a bad thing. I like being passionate about my work when I'm at work. Mm-hmm. And if I meet somebody that engages me in a level that I'm like, I want to talk to you. Like when we had coffee, I think yeah. we really clicked on that a lot. Yep. And that was really great. Mm-hmm. But I don't need that to be everything. Right. And I think there's a lot of people who wrap up too much of identity around what they do and what they produce or what it is they're doing. I don't, I don't know. I just don't think that's necessarily a healthy thing anymore. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to do. Yeah, and I think it is It is for even people who have families and have mm-hmm. very active lives outside of work. It is hard for them to do. I, during my bike ride I took today on my day off, I'm riding around and took a little break. And I'm sitting by the lake in the woods and hanging out, just taking a breather and taking it in. And then I hear a guy on a cell phone going, well, yeah, I could be the ED on that, but I don't know if we need to have, like, I'm just like, I think he was kidding you. Yeah, and like it was one of those things where I'm like smiling at the dog and be like, hey buddy, yeah, what's happening? And then like he's just like creeped out by me and I'm like, I'm creeped out by you. (laughs) (laughs) We were, we were listening to a, um, undisclosed, uh, the podcast about, um, Adnan Syed. Adnan Syed. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how at that time, 
at the park that this all revolves around. By the around. way, we're like a year behind in it. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. There so was no... This is not current. There was like <laughs> no, no, no... That's fine. <laughs> no spoilers. We everyone. might have just this heard No spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was no cell reception, and I was like, oh, that would have been so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so well, there were places without cell reception. Yeah, back in the day. Uh-huh. The Beeper Man. Even um, like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so my last question... is what advice do you have for the young Padawan project managers out there? Mm, Cut off the braid. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The braid has to be there, though, if they are still a Padawan learner. I want to go Sith Lord. (laughs) Just cut the braid off and do what you want. Um, (laughs) I think then you grow horns. Really? That's just, that's that's a species thing. Yeah, that's that's not. He's a Zabrak. So, I don't know what that means. Yeah. yeah. That was my ice. Yeah. All right. Ice. Um, I think the best thing I could say to people who are new in a project management career or new in a career in general is just pay attention to people and listen to people mm-hmm. and allow for connections to happen. Allow for the unknown. Be comfortable in it. Mm-hmm. Be comfortable in the fact that no one out there is figuring it all out. There are no gurus of anything out there. We're all standing on the shoulders of giants. Everybody that came before you had to learn from somebody else. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's funny when I ask people like, "Oh, what's your background? What did you you know all these things?" And I'm like, "I was a philosophy major." Like, <laughs> I told people like. I'm getting a degree in how to be unemployed, like, <laughs> and, or I'm sorry, I'm getting a degree in thinking deep thoughts about being unemployed. Nice. Um, but the idea of um, what Albert Camus called um, not committing philosophical suicide, mm-hmm. not allowing the questions to stop, always continually mm-hmm. to push yourself into figuring out how, how things are in the world. Like, don't allow yourself to ever get on some sort of path and think this is the answer to everything Mm -hmm. allow you to have those experiences outside of that comfort zone with different people from different perspectives from different backgrounds so that you can get their inputs because they're going to help you learn something new about yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's great advice because when i started in project management i just thought that everyone else knew everything and i didn't know anything yeah and it didn't end up being true once I got in there. Right. And nobody ever But it took me a while to you... figure out that, that No, and nobody ever thinks less of you for asking a no, question. No, they think more of you, actually. Yeah. 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 Good. Do, uh, do you want to take a... Now that you've answered that super deep question, oh, okay. let's, she's, she's let's take a, a question. I'm going to dig a little bit so we can get the sound. If you yeah, get some good audio. There we go. Uh-huh. One of them might be yours. Who is Mike Mink? No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Well, you did say you were a philosophy major. Uh, that's true. <laughs> How do you think fear affects your business, yours or someone else's? That's a great question. That is a good question. That's mm-hmm. a really good question. Um, that wasn't one of yours. I no, it wasn't one of mine. I sent a lot in, but you did. I'm, a, I'm a big nerd for your cast. So, um, fear. I think. As a publicly traded company now that I work in, mm-hmm. there's a degree to which there is fear around projections of what people think is going to happen. Stakeholder fear? Mm-hmm. 
So stakeholder fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Are we going to meet this goal that we laid out for ourselves? Mm -hmm. And what does it mean if we don't make it? Mm -hmm. And I think that's one side of things. And as any publicly traded company, somebody out there is basically saying, let's take all the information we can to make the best guess of how we are going to go out to our stakeholders or our investors and say, this is what we're going to do next year. Here's how much we're going to grow. And here's the types of things we're going to do. But to AJ's point last week, a lot of those people aren't the people that are presenting that information necessarily, or one of those people may be the face of that information that's Mm. being presented. So how do you get behind that person? Or Mm -hmm. how does that person present that story? Mm -hmm. And so fear a lot of times has to do with unknown in any business. And I think that whether you are doing something on the front lines of a business, more of a uh, professional individual contributor or frontline staff with working directly with customers or clients, fear a lot of times can be getting a situation you've never faced before and not sure what to do next. Mm-hmm. As a manager, it might be having something come at you from one of your employees that you don't know how to deal with in the context of the business or their professional personal life balance or whatever it is. Or managing them or, or managing their performance them or, or yeah. yeah. And that fear lays in. And the idea of the unknown, I think, really freaks a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because I'm a goofball enough or like to put myself in enough unknown type situations where I'm comfortable with that, mm-hmm. that makes me more comfortable in a fearful situation. It's a practice. Mm-hmm. But it is a practice. Like mindfulness. It's Absolutely. A, you have to practice. And I think there's a degree to which, to the mindfulness comment, I mean... How much have people gone into themselves? How much people have done introspection? How mm-hmm. many people meditate, do yoga? I mean, all those speak to the same thing. I know you talk about how you don't like to meditate because you can't. I do it in different ways. I just don't exactly. like to sit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But a lot of people think of mindfulness or um, meditation or those types of things as just that like sitting by yourself with your legs crossed and your hands in your lap and closing your eyes and it can be a multitude of things and allowing yourself to have that time to go into yourself and figure out and be honest with yourself where are the strengths and weaknesses so you Mm -hmm. can lean on your strengths and build up your weaknesses Mm -hmm. that's what dealing with the unknown is all about i mean it's every hero's journey story you have (laughs) is starting off going into some enchanted forest or whatever it may be, the deep dark cave, whatever it is, where you don't know what's next. And you learn something about yourself that then carries you through to the next part of the story mm-hmm. that is going to happen. The next you. level. Exactly. And that kind of repeats itself over and over yep. again. So. And sometimes you don't know how all of those experiences are turning into anything. Until one day they do. Right, <laughs> and then exactly. You're like, oh, yeah. This is what all that crap was for. I get handed that kind of stuff all the time in my role. Yeah. It's like no one understands this thing, so you, you yes, get the this. client's mad. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, they're yelling. I mean, there's a finite number of ways that can go. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> but in no matter how it ends, I will. I will put forward my best effort in trying to figure it out yeah like, and that's that's it and i think that's a really to. strong point of fear is fear is a, a very human and natural reaction mm-hmm. and 
there is often a very strong fight or flight response to that. And a lot of people don't take that in. I, I think mm. of it like um, from whether it's yoga or whether it's a, a martial art or, or any other type of practice where you can try to um, repel a force or you can try to deflect a force. Mm-hmm. And repelling a force, you have to be very confident that you have, are strong enough to repel that. But most of the time, that's not as effective of either deflecting or redirecting. And if you can redirect that kind of force or energy or whatever it may be, you can end up in a much better position. Mm -hmm. And it's allowing that flow or process to take place. And even in human interactions that do revolve around fear, there is a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And you see it when... um, you see it a lot as politics are more active right now. There is a lot of fear happening and a lot of fear being used in good and bad ways mm-hmm. about people acknowledging it and moving into it and, and trying to work with that fear and then mm-hmm. others who are using that fear to their own advantage. Mm-hmm. And those that don't want to do introspection or maybe aren't ready to can end up having that kind of legitimizing of fear and legitimizing of behavior and well with the exception perhaps of politicians i think fear in people generally means that you want to do well like it means yeah, i think there's if that. you're afraid of something it means you somewhere want to be good at it yeah and i think there's i i, I don't like to make a dichotomies out of it but fear is usually within a spectrum of some sort of emotional state so yeah i think fear is often like this goes back to when i was acting a lot like fear has like very high breathiness and like you end up kind of feeling it very high in your chest and your gut and you tense and those types of things that type of reaction is very similar to when you are about to fight somebody or you are about Mm -hmm. to get into something Mm -hmm. and being able to let that roll out and through so you can kind of but what you're doing actually looks like nobody that listens to this podcast will uh, be able to see this but <laughs> actually it looks also like excitement yes exactly and if you can mm-hmm. flip that kind of emotion yep. or turn that type of energy into something where i have no idea what's going to happen next. let's do it <laughs> you don't either but we both are invested and believe in yep. each other and our mission and our values. So let's take this on, do the best we can, and figure it out. Yep. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't think we've really answered uh, like 93% of who is Mike Mason this evening, but we're 7% of the way there. That's fine. That's a guess. That's a good guess. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe we'll have more conversations and keep asking, who is Mike Mason? I'd love to answer that <laughs> as many times. I'd like to invite everyone to examine. <laughs> I feel like it's a question that's not going to go away. It's just it's come not. up so many times. It's kind of thing. It was great. Right after soliciting great. questions, that was the first question. <laughs> that was the first, exactly. the first like we, we had to we had to take out laughter, so laughter. in that track because <laughs> we all just lost it. Yeah. <laughs> We did cut out a lot of laughing. That's good. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) Uh, Well, thanks for talking to us. Happy to. Thanks again for listening, humans. As always, you can find us on Twitter at ProHumans, on our Facebook page, ProHumans Podcast, on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash ProHumans, Stitcher at ProHumans, 
Or go the easy route and log on to ProHumans.com where you can find all that stuff and more. This is Danger wishing you a professional week.